Hello, and welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste. I'm your host and well-being alchemist, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I'm thrilled you're joining me today. We are going to talk a little bit about love. We're going to talk about hypnotherapy. We're going to talk about some really, really great stuff that we have not really covered on this show before. And as you guys know, who've listened to me, you know that I am super into hypnotherapy for so many different reasons. It definitely changed my life. So I thought how wonderful to bring on a hypnotherapist to kind of demystify it a little bit for us all and explain what some of the benefits are. So I'm thrilled today that my guest is going to hear talk about it for us. Um, she is from Los Angeles, California, originally with Turkish roots, um, which is a total coincidence, although we know in this world, nothing is a coincidence. So before I go any further, let me welcome Begum Uz to the show. Welcome, Begum. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me and for this great opportunity. I'm really excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you on today. Um, so you found the podcast and contacted me directly. Yes. I is, actually follow your podcast religiously. <laughs> which is wonderful. I love the word of mouth. I feel like we connected already. And so just to kind of alert um, the listeners, we went ahead and did a hypnotherapy session before this interview. And it was fantastic. I really love your style. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, um, I know we talked a little bit about hypnosis with you before, um, and it may be a little different from what you did before. Um, but I think you did really well. It, it, it was pretty cool working with you. I hope you got good benefits from it. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting is sometimes when people hear hypnosis, they think like the comedy club show they went to where people are like, you know, barking like dogs <laughs> and clucking like chickens. Um, but it's really an amazing healing modality and you're aware of everything that happens. So before we go into the benefits, would you just kind of explain to the listeners what hypnotherapy actually is? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I agree that there's so many misconceptions about hypnosis, um, mostly because of Hollywood movies, unfortunately, you know, like when you see those movies, it looks like it's mind control or I don't know, you're going to start doing things that you don't really want to do or stage shows. And hypnosis is really none of that, especially when we talk about hypnotherapy, as you know, there's also that therapeutic portion in addition to hypnosis. So it has nothing to do with all that weird stuff. Um, and actually, I think it's a way of giving you the control of your mind. So instead of following the patterns that you learned from your family, culture, society, you start unlearning them and basically creating a life that works for you. Um, so to summarize it, I, hypnosis is a very simple and natural feeling. We all experience hypnosis during the day multiple times. For example, um, have you ever dreamed in a freeway for a long time and all of a sudden you're at home? You know that feeling like when you're on autopilot, but your mind is very focused. Absolutely. You don't remember state. getting off of the exit or making that right turn or yeah. Yes, exactly. Or very common and uh, very powerful one is right before we sleep. You know, that in between state, like you put your head down to pillow, you're almost dreaming. But if someone calls your name, you can immediately open your eyes and become aware of what's going on. 
Um, like that in between right before you fall asleep. That's an example of hypnosis too. Um, so as you can see, it's a very, very natural feeling. Um, and we all experience hypnosis during the day multiple times. Um, and when someone comes to a hypnotherapy session, the main thing that you feel is usually a deep physical relaxation, mental calmness, and a deep focus to my voice. That's how simple it is usually. Um, so um, it's a very simple state like that. And what I really, really like about hypnotherapy is it works directly with the subconscious part of your mind. I mean, um, our subconscious mind is very, very powerful, so much so that your subconscious mind makes every single decision that you're making. So even like, for example, sometimes we think that we are making decisions consciously, but our subconscious mind actually makes the decision about 10 seconds before you even think you make your decision. So like, you know how sometimes we think, oh, I'm thinking logically right now, your subconscious mind already calculated that and made that decision for you. So um, that's how powerful our subconscious mind is. Um, and without really changing your subconscious programming, it's going to be really, really hard for you to change your life in general. Um, and if you think about it, our mind is the most complicated computer out there, right? Um, and actually, some computers are modeled out of our mind. And just like a computer, we run programmings every single day. Like, think about the way we wake up. Think about the way we brush our teeth or the way we walk in our neighborhood. We, don't, we do these even the same way. We don't try something, another, another different way of doing it. We just do the same thing over and over again. So if we don't master this programming, the programming masters us. Um, and that's why I really, really love hypnosis because it helps us to, you know, change the toxic beliefs, change the patterns that are not helping us at all, or maybe um, get rid of some of the repressed emotions that we've been carrying around for a long time. So give, give us an example of a toxic belief that somebody might have that they want to use hypnotherapy to help clear or help heal? Um, for example, to give you an extreme example, some people have food aversions. So subconsciously, they food? believe that, yeah, food aversions, okay. um, like some people won't be able to eat any red food. Um, and subconsciously, they associate red food with a maybe trauma they had in a childhood. So that's a toxic belief that they have in their subconscious mind. They believe red food is going to lead to that negative um, association that they had. That's just a more complicated example. More common one is that when we hear constantly from our parents that, uh, oh, you can't do it. You're just a little girl. You're, you can't do that by yourself. We start believing in that and we create the toxic belief of um, I'm not good enough or I can't do it. And we start living with that for the rest of our life. So through hypnotherapy, you can go back and kind of clear that that thoughts, that belief and rewire the brain? Or how does that work exactly? Um, it can work in multiple ways. Um, for one, 
we don't even have to go back to a childhood memory necessarily. Sometimes things are more surface level. And especially if you're an aware person, it's so much easier to change things around. So we can change them with simple, positive suggestions. Sometimes we can do very beautiful imagery journeys. Our subconscious mind is very symbolic and learns so well with imagery journeys. So we can do stuff like that. And sometimes we just go to the root of the problem, which is a memory that you um, basically programmed it with an emotion and you added it, associated with something in your life. So we can revisit that memory, relive that memory in a positive way and rewire it like that. So mostly I would say suggestions, imagery journeys. Um, we have so many beautiful release techniques that will help you really feel so much lighter and leave the emotions behind, like with the memory. So I, I would say that way. I love imagery journeys. I do that with my clients as well. Um, explain that a little bit for people who aren't really sure what that means. It's... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just thinking like, I love doing guided visualizations, visualization meditations, healing, guided visualizations, things like that. They're so incredibly powerful. But for somebody who's not, hasn't tried this before, this is new to them, kind of explain what that means. Yeah, sure. Um, so like I said, our subconscious mind is very symbolic. And sometimes if we give you direct suggestions, like if I tell you from now on, you're never going to be anxious again, you may reject that easier because you're like, who are you to tell me something? Uh, you know, you're no one. Um, but instead, a guided imagery journey is like a path or like a beautiful tale almost that has so many symbolic meanings that can help your subconscious mind to make sense and internalize the inferred suggestions. So you can start changing the way that you've been. It, this could be something as simple as like walking into a beautiful garden and seeing beautiful flowers on each side and realizing each flower is different in its own way and just as beautiful as each other in its own way. And just like you are, have your unique and beautiful and different, but that's what makes you beautiful in its own way. So um, we have so many different ones, of course. This is just something that simple. just came yeah. on top of my head. Um, but it's just beautiful. It flows and your subconscious mind absorbs it so quickly and easily and personalizes it. So I love it too, just like you said. So for me, you know, what's been really powerful is my hypnotherapy journey started with PTSD and it was stuff that I wasn't necessarily aware of that I had been diagnosed with. And if I could tell you, it changed my life in as short as five sessions. So that doesn't happen for everybody, of course. Sometimes it's life-changing in one or two. Sometimes it's five months. One size doesn't fit off. Yeah. But for me, that's what started was PTSD and getting rid of triggers. And it was so remarkable. If I told you a story about something that happened in my past, a particular story that was kind of traumatic that I knew something happened in my 30s, I would tell you the story and just bawl, just start crying because I was reliving it, how painful this was. I could tell you that same story now as like, just an observer. Like, it's just, you know, like something I saw on a TV show it doesn't affect me. It's over. I survived it. I feel so good. I don't have those triggers anymore. And it's amazing how we were able to go back and address all these major triggers in my life that I didn't even realize were holding me back, that were making me feel sad, making me feel not worthy, not good enough. And, you know, when we don't feel good enough or worthy. 
we don't make good decisions. We don't attract love. We don't, it's like, it's so difficult. Um, you know, that self-love component is so important. And I feel like very often when we're lacking, it is because like you said earlier, of something that happened when we're younger, whether it's a teacher or a parent or a sibling or just somebody that we looked up to that makes us not feel worthy. But the majority of the time, we don't remember it. We have no idea. And also whoever did this to us, who made us feel that way, they, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't usually, yeah. you know, people think, oh, it had to be such an abusive person. And that does happen, of course, but not always. It's just somebody who doesn't know that what their words are saying are actually limiting your beliefs around happiness or love or sense of self, self-worth. Um, so I Absolutely. would like to go on that and like segue into how we establish our beliefs around love, because I think it's a very timely topic right now. And <laughs> I wish my uh, listeners could see you because you just have this beautiful smiling face, big sparkly oh, brown eyes. You. And it's just, I, when I said love, your whole body just like <laughs> got out energy. It was gorgeous. So let's talk about that. How we establish our beliefs around love. Yeah, I love, I love that topic. And I'm glad that it's that time of the year that we can comfortably talk about these things so easily. Um, the, I, I'm of course going to say as a hypnotherapist, I'm going to say majority of it is subconscious. Um, but of course, there are so many other factors that play into um, the way that we perceive love and also the way that we create our relationship patterns. Um, I think about five things. Um, one of them is our personality, of course. Um, the other one is the culture. The other one is the subconscious, our subconscious way of being, our history, and also our basically own our own insecurities. And I'll go into them a little bit more just to clear because I, I think I made it like so general right now. Um, to start with personality, we are all different, of course, but um, maybe you're familiar with this intro, being introvert and extrovert. And the way we perceive love in these two opposites are so different. So, for example, extroverts are going to always be or they're going to have easier time connecting with physical touch so they can touch easier, hug easier, hold hands in public easier. And also extroverts connect with their partners uh, with sex. So it's a way of showing intimacy, like connecting with them emotionally when they have sex. Um, or sometimes extroverts actually uh, prioritize their relationship. So when they're in a relationship, they put the relationship in the focus of their life and the partner becomes everything about their life. So it's a good feeling. But on the contrary, when we look at the introverts, if you're an introvert, you can withdraw so much easier. So we can find, we can see introverts showing up and disappearing, confusing, or um, when they have sex, it's mostly out of like a physical connection rather than intimacy. Or um, another difference can be, they may not like the touchy thing so much. So they may not like being intimate in public occasions. So these two characteristics play a really important role as to how we show love and also how we perceive love. Um, and then we add the culture component on top of that. So depending on what culture you're coming from, you may perceive love differently. For example, I'm coming from Turkey. So in Turkey, it's more male dominant culture, right? So um, men usually don't do things for you because, you know, as a woman, you're supposed to do things for them. Or um, we are not very... Um, 
we, we don't like touching or like physical connection that much. So that's why even if I want to touch someone, I'll, I'll ask myself two, three times just to make sure it's okay to touch them or hold hands. So stuff like this, like in your cultural component also plays a huge role. Um, your history as a person. So for example, if you have an emotional trauma or if you had a traumatic experience in the past, that will also reflect the way you live your relationship or show your love, right? So say, um, God forbid you experience something emotional, you may not like touching, you may not trust people easier. Um, so that's going to add to your relationship patterns. Um, it's really interesting also- you say that because, you know, first of all, I, I think that the book, The Five Languages of Love, everybody should have to read in school. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <you> know, and- <laughs> What you're just saying, extrovert and introvert, like if we had these kind of conversations before we entered into serious relationships, let alone marriage, it'd be so helpful, right? If somebody's upset, their partner might want to just give them a hug and make them feel better. But if that isn't what works for that person, it doesn't make them feel better. It actually might make their skin crawl, even though they love them because they don't associate that with comfort. So I love what you just said. Um, You know, I was in a long-term relationship and listening to you speak, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. We are on such different (laughs) pages with touch. We're in such Mm. different pages. And it's really interesting. You brought that up. It is interesting. We all take different uh, comfort from different things. Okay. So I didn't cut you off. I just was like, wow, that was pretty powerful. No, I think that's a great comment. And I think if we don't understand these, we actually lose touch with our partner. So even if you have something valuable there, we kind of move away from each other, which is sad, I think. Yeah. Um, but the next one that I was going to mention is the our subconscious patterns, which my favorite topic, of course. Um, we also learn a lot about um, relationships as we grow up by observing our parents, right? The mom and the father. And um, even though like right now as an adult, we may think that all of our relationships are different. Like think about your friendships, your family relationships or work relationships. They're just replicas of your relationship that you had with your mother and father. Um, So we really take a lot from that early observing that we did. Um, And as kids, we want to gain the mother's acceptance and love, right? And to do that, we look at the closest person who already has done that, which is our father, usually. Um, So we take most of our sexuality from our father, and then we take the communication and the connection from our mother. And then we mix these two, and we create this perfect relationship uh, pattern that is very unique to us. And you may even wonder, why are we attracting people that are just like our father? Like, you know, sometimes people don't like their father, but yet they find people just like their father. Um, It's so funny, but it's because of the subconscious way of being. It's so Um, interesting. I just love all this. And, you know, I feel like the more we do this personal development on ourselves, and we learn and we understand ourselves, we can help break some of those patterns. And like, consciously we can do our best, but obviously what you're saying, most of it's subconscious, which is where you come in. And with you saying that it's like, you know, I was in this long-term relationship with somebody just like my dad, like <laughs> exactly like my dad. And all the stuff that made my mom crazy about my dad made me crazy about my partner. And as much as they were like water and oil, we were water and oil, but I was so attracted to that personality that was like my dad. And of course, daddy issues. Like we all know what that is, right? <laughs> daddy issues. Like, 
you know, but it's interesting because then, uh, you know, some years went by and some healing on my end. And I ended up in a really sweet relationship where somebody told me, actually a guest on this podcast, um, Brandy Gilmore, she's like, basically how you described your mother and all the wonderful qualities are exactly how you described this other person. So I thought how interesting that I went from somebody like my father to like somebody like my mother. I like super safe and nurturing. It was a time in my life mm-hmm. when I just needed nurturing. I just yeah. needed like that unconditional nurturing yumminess. Um, I, so this is so interesting. I love talking about this. Okay. So subconsciously watching your mom and dad or whatever male, female relationships are in your life. Maybe your parents are yeah. divorced. It's a girlfriend, it's grandparents, whatever it is that you're forming yeah. this opinion as a child over, and maybe it's from TV or movies or celebrities, depending on, you know, what you're exposed to. Yeah, absolutely. Or even like sometimes as a, as young that we are, our mind is so open, even stories. Like if someone that you love, like your sibling or someone tells you a love story, you can also take up on that easily because you're so open at that time. Yeah, it's Um, so true. And finally, I think our own insecurities come into play. Like, I don't know if you realize this, but we usually tend to find people who have what we don't have more attractive. Um, And we fall in love with them, you know, because we reflect ourselves to them unconsciously. And then all of a sudden we think we love them. We get into a relationship with them. And as we improve ourselves and develop ourselves, we move away from that person because we don't have that need anymore. So then we wonder what happened in here. I loved them so much in the beginning, but yet now we are so different. So I think all of those coming together, you know, the personality, the subconscious mind, the history, the culture, insecurities, we create this beautiful, unique relationship pattern and the way we attract people into our lives. It's so true when I work with clients or even just friends or advice to my daughter, whoever it is, is like, if you're not in the best place you can be, then you're not going to attract your best partner. Because I really do believe law of attraction and our vibrations. When we're coming from a place of love and acceptance and happiness and joy, and we're vibrating high and we feel so good, that's when you're going to attract somebody so good. And when you're feeling not worthy and not lovable, there's a good chance you're going to attract somebody, maybe possibly a little toxic or just not the best match for you because it's reflecting, as you said, how you're feeling about yourself, which leads me into the next thing is like, share with us, and you've said this to me before, like how and why loving and accepting ourselves is at the core of any issue. Yes, yes. I I love that part. Um, and I try to say this to as many people as I can, because I think not only for relationships, loving and accepting ourselves is really important for anything that we want to overcome in life, because that gives you trust that you got this. Like no matter what happens, you have everything together to move forward, regardless of what you're experiencing. Um, and if you think about it, we cannot pour from an empty cup. So if you're planning to attract someone valuable into your life, first, you need to believe in your own value. Like you need to give that 100% unconditional love and acceptance to you. Um, I think this can get a little tricky in here because like when I look at the mirror, I see myself. I like the way I look. I like, I'm a positive person. I can empathize with others. 
but that's not the only thing about me, right? There are other parts that are not so pleasant about me, just like everyone else. Um, so I think it's also important to accept those parts that are not that so pleasant about us. Um, there was this like very cool um, little, um, little exercise that I did. Um, it's very simple, but it opens your mind so much. Um, and it goes like this. Think about the nine most important things that you have in your life. And it has to be in order. So like the first thing is the most important thing. Second thing is the second most. Third thing is the third most. Um, take a moment and think about the nine most important things in your life. Um, and see if you are, if you place yourself into that list. Um, when I did this in a group of, with a group of people, um, I think only one person had themselves listed within those nine things. Um, and when I did this, when I first sit down and try to write the five things, I was thinking and thinking, what are the five most important things? I wanted to get it right. I wanted to write like in order. <laughs> right, you're thinking, oh, I, is it health? Is it love? Is it like, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And I was not part of the list. But if you ask me, I would think I actually love myself. Um, so I think it's, it's easy to kind of lose track of those not so pleasant things and not accept ourselves fully 100%. Um, I mean, if you look at it, it's easy to accept the parts that are not that, that are pleasant, right? Anyone can love the good parts. Anyone can appreciate the good parts. But how about the not so good parts? How about the not so pleasant parts? Because when you're not accepting them, that means you're rejecting them. And by rejecting, you're resisting yourself. Um, there's a way of kind of figuring out what parts that you may be rejecting. Those tend to be the parts that were rejected from our parents usually. So maybe you can ask yourself, what, what parts of me were, what, what part of my childhood, what part of my inner child was rejected by my parents? And if we find those parts, we can start improving them with inner childhood work, with um, affirmations, by diving deeper in the subconscious mind. Because, because our parents rejected them, we learn to reject that part also. So that becomes natural to us. We don't even pay attention. We just reject and reject and reject. Um, so explain to our listeners a little bit, bringing back around to hypnotherapy, is how hypnotherapy is a healing tool or the modality. How does it help with this? How do you do this self-love work? <laughs> yes, I know. Um, well, we mostly work with the subconscious mind. What I like to call it is being our own parents. So during hypnosis, um, we, we are very aware of our qualities that we have right now, right? You may easily see, you know, how much information and wisdom you learned as you grow up, how much, how much strength that you have. But that little girl that you had in your subconscious mind may not be aware of that. So what I like to do usually in hypnosis is um, during hypnosis, kind of like arrange a meeting between that little girl and your existing self and kind of reintroduce each other. You know, like, yes, you, you think you're this little vulnerable girl, but look, we have so much more we had than we had ever before. So we have it all together. You're loved and collected. So kind of like being your own parents, giving you yourself that unconditional love that maybe you didn't receive growing up or maybe you didn't feel 
like you received growing up. So that could be one of the ways kind of um, kind of like relearning, reintroducing yourself to your inner child and nurturing and giving so much love to that little kid. Um, I've done this before. And um, you and I had a session together, which was beautiful. And every uh, therapist has their own style, which is great. So one size doesn't fit all. Um, I did do this inner child work just kind of, I don't want to say by accident, because again, nothing's by accident. (laughs) I was... um, in the session. And a lot of times you ask, you know, the person has to go where it needs to be, right? You have your, Mm -hmm. your mind just, it's hard to explain unless you've done this, but it's like a place going back into a place that you need to be like going back and finding the source of this thought or the source of this belief or a time when you felt this, right. So that you go back in your mind. And for me, it was clear as day, uh, like a movie in my brain just popped up and I was maybe second or third grade. And, you know, kind of messy hair. I was a little wild child, like Pippi Longstocking. Mm-hmm. I like messy hair and, you know, whatever. And it was something that happened and something that somebody had said to me. And then something that transpired after that, where I was in a room with the door closed and had heard some stuff. But it was literally like a movie playing in my mind. So from there, it went fast forwarding a little bit of having this little girl, this version of myself, right? My inner child, little girl sitting on a chair across from me and then the me of now sitting across from her and having a conversation and Mm -hmm. about how she's okay. And she made it and look how wonderful life is. And like, just to relax, it's going to be okay. But it ended with me hugging her. And it was the most amazing feeling of just like wrapping my arms around her and hugging her. And it was like, I just felt like I was comforting this little girl in such a wonderful, beautiful way. Meanwhile, that was me And it just felt so good. And it did, I did cry, even though I was under in a hypnotherapy session. And again, like we remember everything. We'll go into that in a moment. But I'm sitting there, tears streaming down my face and my body gets super hot, but it felt so good. It wasn't like when I came out of it, I felt, you know, trauma or sad about this event. It felt so good because yeah, I am a badass. (laughs) I did make it through all this stuff and here I am, you know, and you know, if you knew then what you know now, well, you can do that. You can go back and heal, you know, that child who's had this trauma. Um, so for people who aren't really sure what hypnotherapy actually looks like, because they've only seen it in the movies, right. Or like <laughs> dangling the watch or sitting up on a stage, right. Um, you know, my experience, uh, has been going into a really beautiful kind of quiet room, sitting in a comfy chair, leaning back, doing some deep breathing work, closing your eyes, and then listening to the voice that guides you through until you're under hypnosis. Again, aware of the surroundings. Um, But now with so much going on, there's a lot more uh, sessions and treatments going on just like this through Zoom. Yeah. Right? Skype online where you can be in the comfort of your own home. Again, you want it quiet and everything turned off. But so whether if somebody comes into your office or if you're doing this over zoom kind of like quickly just walk somebody through what a session would look like, like how long it is, what they would expect from it. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that's a good idea. Um, and between an online session and in-person session, in terms of the procedure, there's not really a lot of difference. So um, I'll talk about it in general. So because it's hypnotherapy, we first have the therapeutic portion in which we sit down, we talk about, you know, what's going on, we sit down and clear out your goals. So that gives me an idea of what I'm going to tell you, what kind of suggestions I'm going to give you in hypnosis. Um, and we kind of uh, spend about 20 minutes, 30 minutes sitting there and talking about everything. Um, and then in my sessions, I like to ex explain you more about what hypnosis is so you can feel absolutely comfortable, um, basically to give you an idea about how you will feel, how you won't feel, what words I will use. And I, I think I did to you too. I also explain you how the mind works so you can understand how hypnosis will actually help you. So that can resonate with you more. Um, and after I do those things, I also test your suggestibility. Um, and this means that I test the way your subconscious mind perceives information because we're all different. Um, so if I know how your subconscious mind takes in information, I can formulate better suggestions and easier to get into your subconscious mind. And all these take about, um, I would say 15, 20 minutes. Um, and after that, there's hypnotic induction. And hypnotic induction is basically to kind of shift your energy from being on the explaining, explaining, and maybe in the complaining mood to kind of like transition into the hypnosis. Um, there is nothing physical that goes on really. Everything is mostly verbal. So I would be leading you verbally. Maybe I would say things like, you know, relax your body as much as you can. Or I, I would say things like focus on your hand or focus on my eyes, whatever it may be, whatever I think is the right induction for you. Um, and after that, I may take you to the comfortable chair if you're in my office or if you're doing it online, I can tell you, you know, you can lay down. Now we're going to get more relaxed. Um, and then again, like you said, I lead you down to a deep physical relaxation with my verbal cues again. Um, I think that's really important because that puts your senses into rest. So, you know, like you're not feeling your body, you're not smelling much, you're not hearing much, and you're really focused on my on your um, on your mind and my voice, of course. Um, and that's when, you know, we would go deeper into the suggestions and everything else. And that's about it. After that, I count you out. One, two, three, four, five, eyes open, wide awake. You're back to normal. Um, and we finish session from there. Yeah, it's exactly, it's such a wonderful, relaxing experience. And my body actually, or my subconscious loves it so much that <laughs> when I know it's about to happen, like when we did our little um, test, I almost was under before you even started talking because my body gets so excited. <laughs> it's like the little dog that like pees on the floor before you open the door to go outside because it's so excited <laughs> to go outside. That's like me, my body and my mind gets so excited for this wonderful experience that it's almost like I'm out right away. Um, and it, yeah. when I say out, it is important to say, you remember everything. Like, yeah. it, you know, for me, it is like a movie in my mind. It's like, I see everything as real. I feel it as real. Uh, I know one time I went back and I didn't know how old I was. And I, she had me look at my hands to see what my hands looked like. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, you know, not even two in a crib because I could see my hands clear as day. And I remember it right now, five years later, eight years later, just as much as I remembered it that day. You know, so wow. it's important for people to think that when we're doing this hypnotherapy, it's not like you don't remember. Nobody's yeah. like planting subconscious, like 
crazy things that you're going to be a spy and like, you know, try to do something crazy. It's not like that. Yeah, um, no, absolutely not. And another I agree thing with you. It's important, I think, to point out is that it really is also up to you as the patient or the client and how open you are to this. Because I can tell you, if you're not open to it or ready for it, you might not know if you're open or not. So don't worry about that part. But if your body, if your subconscious doesn't want to go there, it won't let you go there. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to where it's a safe place. And the job of a very good hypnotherapist like Big Boom is to know how far to push and how far not to push. Like this is what we're going to address today and work on and knowing when to stop because of those cues. You know, something can be deep. Maybe you're dealing with a deep trauma and you come home and you sleep and you don't talk to anybody. You don't want to share this experience. I always say it's really important not to share it the first 24 hours. Keep it to yourself and process it. Um, And sometimes you come out and you have so much energy and you're so excited. It just depends what you're working on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I love this this whole self-love thing of like, really, that's our goal, right? Like our number one priority is the relationship we have with ourselves, And we all need more self-love. Pretty much every single person. If you're listening to this, you probably need a little more self-love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I really think that at this point, it's our responsibility to give ourselves that nurturing and love. I mean, I know you have kids. So um, think about how much you love your children, you know, like, even if they do the worst of the worst of the things, you still love them unconditionally. And think about that bit much love. And how much of that can you give to yourself? How much of that we can give to ourselves without questioning, without putting barriers or ifs or shoulds or coulds. Um, I think it's really important. And we have this responsibility of being our own parents, nurturing our own self, if we really want to move forward in life. It's so true. And the one thing I love about hypnotherapy versus regular therapy, of course, everything has its place. Mm -hmm. But what I love about hypnotherapy is that this is real like results this is not like you're doing this once a week or twice a week for the rest of your life on the same issue. We're not talking about that same thing over and over and over. It's not talk therapy. It's a real effective modality for healing. It's removing triggers like that in a lot of cases. Um, I just, I really can't say enough about, I did this, how effective this is. I did it, you know, several times in the past for some pretty serious healing issues. Um, and it's just, it's wonderful. I, I think it totally, um, I don't want to say replaces talk therapy. Cause like I said, everything has its place, but if you yeah. are open to this, you get so much more results in my opinion, so much more results and lasting Absolutely. results because you actually are removing the triggers and cleaning up the subconscious limiting beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and uh, to add to what you said is um, one thing I find really helpful is that we create a resource state. So not only we clear the triggers, but also we put you in a state where you can recognize your own healing powers. So even the same thing happens in the future or something else, else happens in the future, you're not dependent on anyone. You know, you got this, you know, you can go over anything that life brings you. And Unfortunately, life brings us pretty nasty things. So if we believe in that, that's so powerful. Honestly, I think that's one of the most powerful things anyone can have. So um, I wanted to finally talk about Emil Cray just a little bit, because um, I think he has a technique that anyone can take something away from it. And who is um, this? Say that again. Emil, Emil Cray. 
Okay. He's one of the most famous hypnotists. Um, he's a French psychologist and he lived in uh, late 1800s. He was known as a healer um, and he came up with this technique called auto-suggestion. Um, and he had a very simple technique to heal anyone who came to him. His recipe was, he told them, go home at night and before you sleep, as you put your head down to pillow, right before you fall asleep, repeat yourself this affirmation. Tell yourself, Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. And he told them to repeat this 20 times in a row. Um, and all of a sudden, people would really, really improve, even with the most unexpected um, problems. Like, I think one of them was um, a little girl got blind one morning. She woke up and she couldn't see. Um, and then they went to him and he prescribed her this. Um, and then I think in a few weeks, she was back to normal and seeing. Um, and this is a technique called auto-suggestion. So basically, you give yourself affirmation right before you sleep. Um, and guess why you're giving it right before you sleep? Because you're in natural hypnosis. It's like one of the most powerful times to give yourself any affirmation. Um, and this affirmation actually covers everything. So when you say yourself every day in every way, I'm getting better and better, it covers any problem that you may be dealing with. And by repeating it 20 times in a row, you're hypnotizing yourself. You're basically putting yourself to sleep by hypnotizing yourself. Um, so if, if you want to give yourself any affirmation, I think this is a good technique and I would recommend anyone and everyone to maybe try this affirmation, you know, like you have nothing to lose. You can try it tonight. Um, just put your head down to pillow and repeat yourself every day in every way. I'm getting better and better and repeat it 20 times. If you have a better affirmation, you can also use that. But I think it's so simple and it works because I use it myself. You know, Emil Kway used it on many other people. So give it a try. I think it can be really helpful, whatever you're dealing with. I love that. So I usually end every show with a mantra, as you know. I know. <laughs> and I think today we will use that. Um, don't worry if you're listening to this walking or driving, it's going to be in the show notes so you can look at it. I would recommend that you write it on a sticky note. If you can't remember it, put it on your bedside table, <laughs> right? So every time you put your phone down, you're getting ready to sleep and you repeat <laughs> every day and every way, every I way. am getting better, better and better. And better. I love that so much. Um, that is really wonderful. And I like the idea that that addresses whatever it is, because you might not even know. You might not yes. know what's holding you back energetically or subconsciously, obviously. Um, you don't even know what the real issue is. Like how often have you been upset with somebody and you realize that you weren't actually upset at what they did? It was a trigger to something else. Right? Absolutely. And so we just don't All always know. So by saying this, it's covering everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Aware of it or not. <laughs> yes, exactly. So just one final thing. Yes. No, oh. that, that was it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was wonderful. I love it. I would have hated to have gone and not had that. What a great tip. Thank you. <laughs> of course. I hope everybody does that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, in fact, as I always say on the show, you know, we love hearing from you guys all around the world, whether you're in Turkey or Australia or the UK or wherever you are, we want to hear from you, you know, give this a try and let us know if this worked for you or not, or if you've had a really, you know, wonderful experience or any kind of experience with hypnotherapy, we would love to hear that. So if anybody wants to contact you, are you taking private clients still? 
Yeah, sure. They can contact me through my email from my website. So yeah. So go ahead and say your website and I will put a link in the show notes to that as well. Okay. Um, my website is www.b-hypnotized.com. <laughs> oh, that's great. B-hypnotized.com. All right. So anybody who's interested, you'll be in for a treat with Big Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have any plans to go back to Turkey anytime soon? I really want to go in summer. Maybe I'll be there and I'll, you know, if I'm in Bodrum, I'm definitely visiting you and meeting you in person. (laughs) Absolutely. I would love to host you in Bodrum. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see you. And I love Mediterranean. I know you do too. So um, I definitely want to go in summer. How about you? Are you going soon? I am leaving for Turkey um, at the end of March and we'll be there through summer. So stay in touch. Beautiful. Yeah, and this show will be going on the road with me. So we'll have all new episodes coming from Turkey, my favorite. And the listeners, as you may have heard, sometimes there's chickens in the background or <laughs> <laughs> sounds from nature because I do it on my front porch there, not in studio. Um, all right. Well, that was wonderful. Again, thank you so much, Begum, for joining us today on You Lost Me at Namaste. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much for this great opportunity. I love your energy. You're so high, but at the same time, like you, you know how to connect with people. Um, so I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much. Well, thank you as well for sharing such great information with the world. <laughs> the more <laughs> information you. and love and light we share, the better the world will be. And when we have something that we need to get out there, we need to get out there, whether it helps one person or a thousand or 10,000. You know, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, you are absolutely a delight. Um, Again, thank you. And until next time, know that you're loved, you're worthy, you were born for a reason. The world needs your gifts out there. I'm telling you, wherever you are in the world, trust me, the world needs you. I'm the host, Michelle Schoenfeld. And until next time, namaste. Thank you so much, Michelle. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating, or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you, and until next time, namaste.